Is this thing working? Can you guys hear me out there? All right. First off, I want to just say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. And I say that kind of quietly, but if you knew me, that wants to jump out of me and wants to scream and wants to yell that because we're at a point in history, at a point in time, where this is more relevance than it's ever had. We're as studiers of God's word, as his disciples, as his servants, we're seeing things happen today in the world that are just mind-blowing. And that's one, the one thing, you know, when I was seeking out God and wanting to know God and, 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 know and learn more about God, I wanted to understand God and, and, and started studying His Word. And I went a lot of places. I've taught in Mormon churches, in their seminaries, until I found out they thought they could be God. And I, I'll never make that cut. And I've taught in Jehovah Witnesses. I've been to Catholic churches. I started out in a Baptist church that was... Kind of Pentecostal, kind of excited and clapping and, and, and getting up. And, and, and it was different than what I see. Today, I'm at Calvary Buell and I'm home. And I praise God for that. Because it took me a long time to get here. Now that doesn't mean I'm always going to be here. Because I believe God has a calling upon my life as He has on each one of your lives. And He has a desire for us to imitate Him. And when I say imitate, tonight we're going to talk about two things. And number one is love. For God is love. Yes. And number two, we're going to talk about service. Because without service, there is no such thing as love. When there's service with expectation, we're looking to get something out of it. Our Lord and Savior came solely to give of Himself. And like the songs that we've been reading tonight, as I read them, I see David in there, and I see the Psalms in there, and I see different parts of the Bible as we sing these songs. And in the heart of the people, in the heart of our Lord and Savior, being poured out in these songs, and that excites me. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and moving. But He's only alive and moving if we allow Him to be alive and moving. If we hesitate and hold back and we worry and we get concerned, a lot of things don't glorify as God as they could. With that, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for what you're doing right here in this body of Christ. Lord, I am, I am just so blessed to see the servants' hearts here. The love that is poured out upon the people in this, this body of Christ and in this community, out to the families that are involved and to the lost across the world, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that are being lifted up, that have got a mission, a calling upon their life, Lord. Each and every one of us have a purpose. So, Lord, I pray that we get eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand, and that a little bit of a push, because sometimes that's what it takes, Lord, and only in you can we find that faith. You've given us all a measure of faith, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will help us to step out in that faith and be about your business as you have called us to be. Lord, open up your word tonight. Let me get out of the way. It's not anything about me, but it's about what you would have said. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to go in uh, John chapter 13. As some of you know, I've been 
a little bit of, like I said, a little bit about me. I've been in a lot of places, and I've been able to teach in a lot of places. Right now, we're raising up a church in Gooding. I didn't expect the Lord to call me to Gooding, but I'm out there. And I'm blessed with the people that are coming in. Sometimes we get kids right off the streets. Sometimes it's older people. It's young people. It's just a, a diversity. And, and, and if you should, came in, we got down-home cowboys on one side of the table, and we got born-again saved hippies on the other. And I mean the look, uh, the beard, the hair, the everything. And, man, it is exciting just to be able to pour into them and have them pour into me and see what God's doing. And tonight we're talking about diokoneo is the Greek word for to serve. And, and our Lord and our Savior came and showed that, what service is truly about. Our pastor shows that every morning he gets up here. This worship team that comes up here and, and pours out the gifts that God has given them to help us to enter into worship. The, the leaders in this church that are teaching in the school, the children's ministry, back there on the computers are running the sound. Those of us that are going home being prayer warriors, we are serving a great and mighty God. And we cannot dilly-dally around any longer. And I'm not saying any of you are. I'm saying that I am by the worst of us all. I have an opportunity in life. I've been given a chance to live a life for Christ. And man, I blow it so often. But every day, every moment, he picks me back up, lets me get back on my feet, helps me dust myself off, and get back about his business. Isn't that exciting? Yes. You know, the enemy wants to keep you right there. It's like, you blew it. Hold you right there. You'll never be able to do it again. God, he wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you. He wants to breathe life into you and have you go out and share it with others. John chapter 13 is about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And just the thought that's going on here. Let's just jump into it real quick and then we'll, get, we'll talk about it. It says in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended... The devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took up a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but what you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you will have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. We'll stop there. I love, Peter is one of my favorite guys in the Bible, come next to, come next to David. Um, obvious, because I'm a broken mess. 
I make mistakes all the time and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jump out there and I'm going to do great things for the Lord. And, and then I hurt somebody and I push them away unintentionally by trying to share the love of Christ with them. But I, I push too hard or, or I just do something stupid, say something stupid to my wife. And, and then I have to go to her later and, and own it and ask for forgiveness. And here, here's Peter going, no, you're, no, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You know, I did this once. We went to Western Days, me and a brother named Chris Jones. He's a beautiful brother. He's a blind man. Um, got a heart of gold for the Lord. And we preached the gospel in a little corner, and we had a foot washing station. People looked at us pretty weird. <laughs> and nobody would let us wash their feet. But it wasn't the point. It wasn't we weren't there. If, if somebody would have came, I would have washed their feet for sure. Because that was what I believe God was calling us there for. But it was the heart to show, well, who am I? Am I willing to drop all this, this look, this everything? Tonight, I spent an hour looking for my teeth. I fought a lot. And in a fight, I lost my teeth. And so I have false teeth because of it. And I, oh, I thought about a million times getting those ones anchored in there and stuff. Nah, nah, it's no point. Tonight, they were missing. I searched for like an hour. My wife is teaching at another church. She came from that church to help me look. And I'm like, Lord, if you don't want me to preach tonight, just tell me. You don't got to take my teeth. You know? And then it, I realized that I don't have to be Saul. I've been reading the book Three Kings. I don't have to be Saul. I don't have to be put together perfectly. I don't have to have the, 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 the nice jeans and the nice clothes. What God is looking for is the heart. And here's what Jesus is trying to teach. He's talking about serving. And he says in Mark 10.45, and it's also Matthew 20.28, he said he came to serve and give his life as ransom for many people. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He's already ministered unto, right? He came down from heaven. He's our God. The God the Son with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was up there being ministered to, praised and worshipped. And then he came down to the lowest spot he could. To man. Coming in the likeness of man, it says in Second Philippians chapter 6-11. Being found in the likeness of man, but not considered robbery to be equal with God. But he came for us on the cross. To encourage us. To give us that example. That is a powerful statement to me. And as I read God's word and as I study God's word. As I see things like this. I'm like man. Could I wash the, people, the feet of my family members. Let alone you know. some In the park. Somebody to walk out. I don't know what I would have done. I, I would have sat them down I'm sure and washed their feet. Chris would have too. That was his heart. We would have done it. Because that's what we were there for. But the, but the heart was in service. And in service, he was demonstrating how much he loved. Your mother's got a lot of this on his, on his fathers, at least me as a father. My wife is a fantastic servant of God. She's a, a servant in my household. She reaches out and takes care of us. She cleans after us, washes our clothes, feeds us, does all these things. And I'm going to say this, but it's probably not going to be accepted well, but... We might be surprised how things look like when we get in heaven, men. Because we're in charge down here, it seems like, a lot of the time. Or at least we think we are. But there are servant hearts. It may change some things 
We might want to take a good look at that. Because a lot of women not only do that, they also go out into the community and work and help provide for their household and their children in that same way. And that, when I look at that, when I try to, when I try to grasp this love, I think he says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean. And if you are clean, but you are clean, but not all of you. He, he was willing to point out that there's some of us that are, are broken. In this case, he's looking at Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, he chose. So there goes a strong point for that argument that God chooses. That predestination, that, that whole idea. Some of you Bible scholars and studies will get in that. There's a strong point. He chose these 12. He went out there and called them individually. Now, as Jackie pointed out last week as we were studying on Sunday, and, and as we look anywhere in, in any of the Gospels or in Acts, there was 120 in the upper room. There were 70 that were sent out. There was more than just the 12. But these, as we look in the word, lines them up. He went out and said, you, 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 you. And one of them would be against him. If that doesn't show the love of God, I don't know what does. Jesus comes and tells us to love our enemies. And he sets an example. It's not an easy one, is it? Love God. We're like, yeah, I got that. Even though usually God's saying, I need you here. And in my case, I'm usually comfortable here. And if I'm honest with myself and being transparent, that's the truth. And then if I'm, if I'm loving my neighbor... Some of my neighbors are my enemies for some reason. I don't know why they don't like me. I think because of my heart or who I am or whatever. I don't do anything to them, but they don't like me. I can understand that. <laughs> I know you can, John. And we know why you live in the middle of nowhere, too. <laughs> but, but to keep it honest, um, I could love them. I know my neighbor had a heart attack. He hates me. He treats me like crap. Excuse my language, but he treats me really bad. And I know he was struggling. I mowed his lawn for weeks when he didn't know. I had other people come love on him because that's what I was called to do. Not because I'm expecting anything. Not because I want anybody to see. Because I see it needed to be done and I had to do it. And there was nobody else to do it. So it was my call. God put it on my heart. Something right now is on every one of your hearts that God has called each and every one of you to do. And you're scared. Are you making excuses? Are you hiding behind it? Oh no, I'm too good to wash feet. I can't do that. But here's the Lord showing us to wash feet. He's saying, this is an example I'm setting for you. And if we get further in the context, it goes even better. Um, in 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of us has received a gift to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Each one of us has been given something. Each one of us in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the word is gifts, but if you look in any of your Bibles, the word gifts is italicized. It's really not the word gifts. It's the Greek word pneumaticos, which means the manifestations. And this is how the Holy Spirit reveals Himself. This is how He manifests Himself, God, through the Holy Spirit, through us, to the world. By tongues, by a word of knowledge, by prophecy, by service, by all these different things. It gives us this whole less list of things. Then it goes right into how we are the body of Christ. Where Jesus is the head and we all differ in gifts. 
But pneumaticos is something that God can do at any time in any one of you. Greater things than these you shall do also if you are my disciples, God. Jesus says in John 14. Greater things than these you shall do also if you are my disciples. Does that mean we're going to be better than Christ? What things did Christ do? How did Christ show service? How did Christ show love? How can you, better yet, show service? And how can you show love? Christ healed the blind. Laid, on the, laid hands on the sick and they were healed. The dead were raised to life. I've seen all but the first one. And I've, I've been trying to pray myself into doing that last one. The servant laying hands on the blind men. But I've laid hands on the dead men, not in anything that I am. But I can testify to you right now, that man got up. And it was nothing to do with me. I prayed over him once. God said he's dead. With three other men. Two men. First time it was me and one other guy. Second time we prayed over him, God said he was dead. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want anybody to be mad at me because I said that he was dead. But the doctors finally told us all. The third time, my brother showed up, his, this man's father, and said, Hey, let's pray over him again, the Lord said, as after we went outside and prayed for a while. And we prayed, and God raised him up. That little man lived for another six to eight months as a witness to the Lord. Got up dancing. Our God is alive. As the song that we say, we believe. Yeah. Newsboys is my favorite. I'm going to tell you, because they, they grasp everything that's in my heart, and they get me excited when I think about it. And, and when I'm looking here, we see all these things as Jesus is showing his example. In Acts 20, 35, he says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard like this, that we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you think your God does not love you? Some of you have been able to walk a life without a lot of worldly struggles. My life has been full of bad choices a lot of ways. I've known the Lord for since I was 11 years old, 30 years. I didn't walk with him. For a long time I did, until I was about 16. Then I got caught up with some buddies, and I, I became one of those seeds that got caught up in the cares of the world, and that, that relationship I had with the Lord got choked out of me because I wanted to look cool, and I had to have the right perspective. I needed to be the California boy that I was, and, and I, then it was drugs, and then it was motorcycles, and then it was gangs, and then it was all this stuff that strove for my attention. And as long as I was giving myself to it, it seemed like the enemy was leaving me alone. It seemed like I prospered pretty good. Every once in a while I got busted and went to jail. And that was the, I, the waking up places where God got a hold of my heart. Praise God for that. But most of the time it seemed like he was. But a lot of us have grown up in the church. A lot of us have not had really any struggle like that with any kind of bad habits. Bad choices. A lot of us have good surroundings. Good backgrounds. And we're like, well, I don't have the struggles. I can't relate to that. But you are just as broken as I am. And I am just as broken as you are. And we have a need for a Savior that would come and serve and give us an example. And in this chapter, He does. He lays it on the line. And, and when He gives us all this stuff, He says in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, not only... 
Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Are we doing this today? It's great that we, you know, I, I, I'm not against this. I'm not against this building. I'm not against this body of Christ coming here. But this is the hospital. This is where we get armored up to go out there and battle and win souls. We're in a fight for life. And we're so caught up in our own life sometimes. Me especially, I get so caught up in, if I'm going to make the next bill, do I get to go fishing? You guys know that's one of my struggles. Where am I going to go fishing? How is this going to, whatever thing. I get caught up in that. And we lose the vision Christ has given us. To serve, diaconeo, one another. Because this is true love. Now everybody knows the word for love, right? Agapeo, agape. When you think about that word in the English language, we tear that down. We, I love hot dogs. Oh, I love you, babe. I mean, really? But in other languages, especially Latin-based languages, man, it is a romantic word. Even the Greek, it has more. There's steros, there's eros, there's um, phileo, there's agape, agape, and, and, and agape means the active love of Christ. And the active love that we are to have for God and one another. It's not that we just come to the building because we're like-minded and we kind of, some of us, most of us wouldn't even hang out if we were to be honest. If it wasn't for this building, we wouldn't have crossed paths. A lot of us wouldn't have any idea who each is. But because of Christ's love for us and His call upon our lives, we find ourselves gathered together. And when He gathered together, what did He do? He said, in love, go serve. He sent us out. And man, I'm excited about being in Calvary because that's what happens here. I see it. The Bayshores are getting ready to go. There's people in this body that are out serving God. Teaching Bible studies. In the Gideon's ministry here. There are just things happening. And God is moving in such a big way within this body. But... We're not limited to just that. There's so much more. When you see these things begin to happen, the Lord says, lift up your head, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. We know that's coming. Neither if it's individually or collectively. I personally believe I'll see it in my lifetime. And I know a lot of people won't accept that. I was 22 and I wasn't walking right with God. God gave me a vision. Somebody walked into a church just like this. I was in the front row. Hadn't been to church in years. Guy laid his hand on me. And as soon as he did, I had a vision. And I saw Christ coming in the clouds with the whole Elohim, which is the host of heaven. I didn't understand then what it meant. Today, I got a pretty good idea exactly what that means. And I look forward to it. And so when I tell you, Oh, goodness, I forgot that thing was there. (laughs) When I tell you, I'm one of those guys that beat his chest and say, Forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Because I am. When I tell you that i got to be about my father's business and I don't have time to just wait around or to hesitate or hang out, I'm being sincere. And when I tell you that it's time to be about our father's business, I'm being sincere to you also. 
I don't care if, if the hair's fallen out like mine. That's God saved me from the fire quite a few times. Or if it's grown white. Or you're 12, 15, 20, 35, 40. I, I don't care the age. God has given you a specific place where you are at with opportunity to bring glory to his name. And he's asking you to do it. With that said, we want to look at 1 Corinthians 13. We talked about 12. Now we're going to talk about the greatest gift. It starts out in verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I want to stop. Anybody of you remember that old, the old show? They used to, I forget who used to run it, but they had a big old, what looked like one of those fish fryer things that the, the Hispanic com- community uses these days. And it was gong. You guys remember that show? Remember that? That's funny. When I think about that, when I read this verse, that's almost like Paul is speaking into the future about gong. And they, well, it seemed like they had a sheep herder's hook too. They'd reach in and, and grab the guy and go, oh, you're done, you know, and, and pull him out of there. Well, that's what he's saying. If we don't have love, we're just a big gong. It's not even a sweet meal. It's just a clanging noise doing nothing. If we don't have love. And then he goes on and says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and I have faith so that I can move mountains, but I have love, I have nothing. I look in us tonight as I was driving and, and wrestling with the Lord about my teeth and everything else. I'm going, why? You know, what's, what's the reason for messing with me like that? And why would you allow him to do that to me, Lord? But I, I realize, I'm like, Lord, when I looked at it, when I've been in serving the body I learned that I first learned, I fell in love. And man, I've been wrestling with that with God. I'm like, man, if you were a God, if you were a woman, it would be a heck of a lot easier for me to fall in love with you, Jesus. You know, but as a man, it, it, it's, it's tricky for me. I'm just being honest and being transparent to you. I'm not trying to be weird or anything. It's not, or any weird tendencies. I'm just telling you, for, as a man, when I think of my Lord, I'm like, yeah, I could get in there. I could box with them. I could, I could break rock with them. I could fish with them. I could do all these things with them. But for me, that intimacy, that, that, that love that I understand, that I, I come from that relationship with my wife, that's the, where, where the, the greatestness of love and, and falling in love comes from for me. And when he revealed to me six months before I ever met her that she was going to come into my life and that I, I was watching for her, I, I knew she was coming. And when I met her, I knew instantly that was her. And, and so when I, when I try to relate that love to Christ, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grasp how do I fall in love with God? And I realized on the way here and, and, and shortly before it is by loving you. Because he loves you. And that's how I love God. By loving my enemy. Because he loves my enemy. I went through some radical changes here in this church already in just a short time I've been here. From ISIS. Boy, I would have been on top of it to write over, let's go deal with these people right now. Let's cut them off and shut them down. They don't have no right to live. And then a brother from this church reached into my life and talked to me about it and did it in such a gentle way I couldn't defend myself. And I had to take a serious look at my enemy. 
I know that's what I want to do. I want to, I know in my, in, in, in everything that's man and chivalrous in me and, and standing for good is to go and, and strike them down for, for the sakes of my brothers and sisters that are out there being struck by them. But those brothers and sisters that are dying today are dying today for God's glory. As a witness to the people across the world that they were willing to die. Just like our brothers in this Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what all of them were Mark, not Mark, but Peter, all those that were in there, the, the 11, they were willing. Peter was hung upside down. He was willing to die. If it was a lie, I would have said something. If Christ didn't really rise, I wouldn't have stepped off the temple like James. So when he talks to me about loving, I put it to the most extreme on my heart and say, do I love my enemy? As a police officer, there's a lot going on in the world today. A lot of judgment. A lot of judgment. And, and we're not in those situations. If they recorded my life every day, gosh, they would be judging. I'd be on the news every couple of days, <laughs> at least every couple of days for some of the stupidity I do. And it's constant, 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 constant. But a police officer, he's willing to give of his life to make sure that I can live a life without the criminal influence coming into my household, into my neighborhood, into my town, and taking away the joy of just being out there, being able to go to the park without fear, to be in the streets and, and go down and shop or whatever. Our brothers and sisters across the world in the Middle East don't have that option right now. And today, we're judging. I see it all over. We're judging the men and women that stand up, that dress in blue, black, whatever color they are, standing up for us. Do some fall short? Heck yeah. Are they making mistakes? Yeah. But without them, could you imagine what this world would be like? I say that because here he's saying, if I have faith, I can move mountains, but I have not love, I have nothing. And though I bestow, verse 3, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be to burn, and do not have love, it profits me nothing. Benevolence. There's humanitarian efforts all over the world, and it's exciting. But they're looking for their kudos a lot of times. If we serve with expectation, like I said, we are taking away from what love truly is. If we're expecting to get something out of, oh, I'm going to go serve in the, in the children's ministry, and I'm expecting you, Lord, to bless. I don't, I'm not worried about anybody giving me, hey, thank you, you're doing a good, but I, I'm expecting you, Lord, to bless my life and, and this and that. Luke 17 10 says these are our, our duties. This is our righteous duty that we do these things, expecting nothing. And if God chooses to bless us, we say amen. And if God chooses to take away, we say amen. But if we have love, even though I give everything I got away to feed the poor and, and worry about all that thing, if we don't have love, we have nothing. Because of, if it's not done in a heart of love, of active love for Christ and active love for one another, then it's a pile of beans. And that's a scary thought when we look at love. And again, when I look at it with my wife, 
or my relationship with my children? Do I, am I really showing them love? Am I really doing it unconditionally? Or am I, I don't know, around my house I take care of the, I'm the breadwinner and then I mow the lawns and all the stuff around the house and all those different things outside. And I try, I help quite often inside, but very rarely, I'll be completely honest because I want to be transparent here, my wife takes care of that. Sometimes I forget to appreciate that. Sometimes I get so caught up in thinking, look what I'm doing. I do this, I do that, I go out here, I'm out working, you have no idea what I deal with out here. And in her same breath, she can look me in the face and I can hear it right now. She can, you have no idea with what I deal with in here. And I realize that because when I come home, I add to the sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes I'm good enough to be able to be a helpmate but, and to it, but a lot of times I add another variable to the current situation. But in this he's saying, But I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. It is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. And it is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in inequity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. When I think about that, my Savior came and faced temptation. Did he fail? He overcame, right? In the desert, he overcame. Because if he hadn't, everything I'm telling you tonight wouldn't have no meaning to it. It'd just be a pile of beans. Jesus came and lived a sinless life, right? How could such a thing happen? Because he's 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And he died to himself. He set the example. Then he said, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. And he set his face for the cross. And there was time after time after time after time after time after time that he could have gave up. That he could have chose to walk away. We realize that, right? He had free choice. He chose to die for each and every one of us because that's how much he loves us. It wasn't something he was forced to do. He chose because he loves us. He chose to serve because he loves us. He set the example only because he loves us and wanted us to be able to go into the world as he says in John 15, I'm teaching this this son, or excuse me, this Friday out in Gooding. His message is for us to love one another, and by this we'd be known. I ask you, church, are we doing this today? Are we loving one another in the body of Christ? 
Are we loving one another in our homes? Are we loving one another like we're called to do into the world? To go into all the world making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things that I've taught you. Lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. Are we doing that? Are we just kind of in the middle of a book? I don't know if I've ever put it out there for anybody else to read, but I call it Hokey Pokey Christianity. And I know a lot of you are old as, as me, and you remember, put your right leg in, you shake it all about, you do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around. And that's what it's all about. I think a lot of us live in hokey pokey Christianity. I want to tell you, and I'm guilty as anybody else. When it's convenient, I'll jump right in there and put my right leg in. And then she'll be like, yeah. Da, 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 da. And then when it's done, need something, I'm like, whoop, I'm out. Until we completely give all of ourselves, complete in submission to the Lord, dying to ourselves, taking up our cross, and demonstrating love like he did in Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us that he died upon the cross. In hokey pokey Christianity is a selfish Christianity. It's self-figured out. It's a self-desire. It's meeting my needs. I'm getting what I need out of church when I need it. And the rest of the time, I'm walking away from it. And I want to encourage you, church, that we cannot do that anymore. Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies, do to them, do good to them, and listen to them with expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Again, that was, that was Luke 6.35. Luke, or Matt, Mark 12, 30 and 31 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is, is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and therefore no other commandment is greater than these. So as we've been looking at Corinthians, as we looked at, at Jesus in John, John 13, and how he was willing to serve Dioconeo, and as we're looking at Agapeo, they're almost interchangeable. Because if we're actively serving the body, if we're actively serving the community, if we're actively serving our husband, our wife, our children, then we're actively loving them. And if we're actively loving our enemy, then we're actively loving our neighbor. And if we are actively loving our neighbor, then we're loving God. But we can not, and church, I encourage you, and I know this is a message that you've heard and, you, and you've read it, and, and, and it's easy for us to get lackadaisical about it, but we have to be serious about this. I don't care if it's one person a day, if that's what the Lord will give you the strength, the faith to do, then share your faith with one person a day. 
If all you're capable of is praying, then pray. Every time somebody comes to your face, God has put that in my heart. Every time I see an image or a thought of somebody, pray. Sometimes I thank Steve and I'm like, which Steve? Because I know like 10 Steves. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll pray for all the Steves. But pray. When opportunity comes to, in the church that we have a need in the body, and you're not sure, so I don't know if I can, if I can teach the youth. I don't know if I can go out and, and feed the poor. I don't know if I'm willing to... If you don't ever get up and do something, all you're doing is nothing. And one day you're going to have to stand before your Lord, my Savior, your Savior, and He's going to ask you, with what I gave in you, what did you do with it? That's a challenging question. You know, I came here in the pop packs, man. I, I, I love Bob and, and, and them and... and and Cindy and they just, their heart, when I first came, I was excited. And, and I, I seen Bob's heart and I said, Bob, get ready. And that was just a private conversation between him and I. You know, and I'm not trying to boost anything. I said, Bob, get ready. God's calling you and it's, it, it's time. And it wasn't but a month or two, he's up on the mountain. You know, and I don't know if that was already in the works. I have no idea. But that one word of encouragement, maybe from me or from you or from somebody else in here, might have been that, just that little bit extra to get them to go the extra mile they needed. That one word of encouragement, that one word of prayer, that one example of love may be what takes that person that's on the fence. That wants to see what God really looks like and is looking for, has never picked up his Bible, but you're his Bible. Your lifestyle cries out to him who God is. That may be all it takes. You'll see my heart. My heart is for the lost. And there's no doubt. It's my call to go out and preach the gospel to all nations. I take that seriously. Wherever I go, I take it seriously. But it's also, as the body of Christ, we're to disciple them. It's one thing to get them there. But it's another thing when we get them there and we just leave them there. They get dangling and the enemy comes in and snatches them right back out. And they're gone. But in true love, we can disciple. If you disciple one or two, and those disciple two or three, it, it, it's this pyramid scheme thing that everybody's been doing since. I forget the one, but the first one they broke across my table. And, oh, yeah, we'll go. there's fire extinguishers and USANA. I think that was my first one, my first experience. And if you get these many people to buy and, and these many people, but if we apply that to the body of Christ and we apply love to that, and we love on a couple of people and pour ourselves out into them. And then they take that and love on a couple of people and pour themselves out. Before the number gets big. It gets real big. It's called multiplicity. Acts, we'll learn about it someday. When, when the first parts of Acts, it's all about attitude daily, attitude daily. Added. And then there becomes this multiplying factor happens. And it's a powerful thing. And we're in a time where we need... Men and women of God to stand up and to be serious about their relationship with Christ in front of the world. And when I think about love, I don't think about love in tearing down. He says, if I don't have, in, this, in verse 3, he says, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. I was thinking about that and, and, and thinking about the state of our nation and the state of uh the government and, and, and how people view, are viewing Christians today, the stereotype because a few bad apples given, has given off. 
And I think, man, it's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to do the million people march as the body of Christ in love. Not tearing down differences, not pointing out hate or, or saying, oh, this or that, but in love. If people were to see us as we are truly called to be, as Christ has given us the example be, to, to show us, to, to serve those people, I don't care if they are homosexuals. I don't care if they're liars. I don't care if they're thieves. I don't care if they're in prison. I don't care if they're in the streets on drugs. I don't care if they think they're good people. Because they're not bad as Bobby and Johnny down the street. If we don't show them love, they're never going to wake up to it. And when we show them love, everything changes. The heart gets softened. When the heart gets softened, a seed gets planted. When that seed gets planted, things grow. And they make a choice. Our Lord says the word does not go out and turn, return void. That means it goes out and accomplishes what it was meant to do. It might have took me a lot of years to get where God has got me today. And man, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm envious of some of the younger people in this body of Christ that are on fire for the Lord and the hearts. I see Izzy up here rocking the drums and, and plugged in Elizabeth back there. A bunch of people just on fire for the Lord and serving God. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm just like, man, I'm praying for him because I know the trials and the temptation and the struggles that are out there. But they're willing to take up that banner, to take up that fight and to love and to give of themselves. It's not an easy thing to do. You think it's easy to get up here in front of you guys? How about one of you guys come up here right now? Who's ready? Let me pick, no, let me do this. Let me pick one of you. Are you guys ready? Because <laughs> seriously, it's not an easy thing to do. When they get up here, they get on the mic and, and earlier our sister missed a, her intro. And she was a little embarrassed. But all we could do is just enjoy that moment because, hey, it happens to me. I miss opportunities. God says, go love on that person. Go serve that person. Go show them my truth. And I miss it. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to be over there at this time. I got to get this done. If I don't get that done, nothing else is going to get done. And it's heavy. So with love, we went from John 13, we went to Corinthians 13, and we're going to finish with Romans chapter 12. And just to continue with where we've been, uh, just a little bit of, uh, of what we added in there from Romans. In Romans 8.28, it says, We know that all things work together for good that to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. A lot of people in the world have taken that out of context. Um, all things are going to work out for good. But there's two key qualifiers there, and I hope every one of you know that. The first one is you've got to love God. If you don't love God then all things aren't going to work out for good necessarily. God pours out His love on all, but it doesn't mean in this context, it doesn't mean that. And then He says, for those who are called according to His purpose. You have a purpose. He's called you. Be about your Father's business. In Romans 8.35, He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Not tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. And then it goes on and skips a little bit. It says, and until these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor anything created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that is exciting. Do you realize how much Christ loves you? Do you realize, I mean, I would, I would just have you think about that and pray about that. The realization of how passionate, how much he loves us. And to say, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. To endure the cross. I mean, yeah, it's become a, a symbol, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of other faiths out there will say, would you wear a 45 around your neck or an electric chair or whatever and, and try to tear down the thought of the cross because they don't want to realize that what that cross really meant. Yeah, there, were, there was struggle. There was pain. There was doubt. There was, there was even fear in, in our Lord. And as we end tonight, we'll see that. But it was all sincere and all done for a reason. And in Romans chapter 12, we recently went through this with Jackie, and, and I thought it was kind of to, to kind of pour this all together. You know, and, and normally I teach, I guess, the Calvary way. It's the way I, where the Lord has shown me, and this is the way I believe to teach. I teach a chapter, line by line, verse by verse. I don't try to bounce around unless there's something that we're trying to pull out of the Bible and we're trying to take a good look at it, or we're in a chapter and we need to, to expand on a little bit. I believe that everything that God says, He provides two or three more places in the Bible to expand on it, to confirm it, to help us to see clearly what it means. And so when we were, when we were looking here on, in chapter 12, I wrote in the top of the, the, I think the fancy word is pericopes or whatever, I forget it. I'm not very good with those things, but uh, it's our duty. What is our duty? Now that, they, now that he's shown us how to serve, and now he's shown us what love is. You know that song? I want to know what love is. Now, see, I know some of you had to know it. It's an old foreigner song. I'm an old classic rock guy for a long time until the Lord changed my heart on that. But I wanted to know what love is. Today I know. Love is God. For God is love. And I can say Jesus is love. For Jesus is love. I can say that same thing about the Holy Spirit. Because collectively and actively, they are love. And they're demonstrating that to us every moment, every second of the day. Here it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Remember a second ago when I said Luke 17.10? What it said there? In Luke 17.10, I'm almost there. It says, So likewise, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say we are profitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. Without expectation. So here he's saying, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies that, that our bodies be a living sacrifice. For me, this is a dawnism. But when I look at this thing, I, I, I used to smoke cigarettes. And I used to smoke some other things. And God gave me victory over those things. In, in two days. That's how I know it was God. I, I smoked those things for 20-something years. And I smoked those other things for 20-something years. Every day. On a regular basis. It wasn't a little bit. It was a lot. And one day God said, cuff me upside the head. Literally, as your dad would say, I'm going to cuff you upside the head, boy, if you don't get right. He cuffed me upside the head. I felt it. I everything. He, believe me, believe me not. I know. And said, I need you to be watchful and be sober. And I was like, shh, I got that. I'm not doing no hard drugs anymore. I'm not drinking. I'm living a different life. You know, you created this other stuff, Lord. I had the whole thing figured out. Believe me, I used to be able to straw man defend it pretty good. And he smacked me upside the head right at that moment and says, no, I need you to give that up. When I left Utah to come here, I brought a lot of it with me. I say habla espanol, así, así, so I figured I could find it if I needed to. I knew, I knew people in the area, if I wanted to find it, I could, but I didn't want to have to worry about that. And somehow I said, God, if you want it, I give it to you. And he took it. That was December 10, 2008. And he took it. Two days later, I said, Lord, if you'd have me walk away from that, why don't you take these cigarettes too? I give them to you. And he took it, December 12, 2008, and I've not looked back. But only by the glory of God was I relieved of that. And here when I say, I beseech you there, brethren, as he was calling me, I, I walked up in the middle of all this stuff. There was things happening before me that God was revealing himself to me, to a brother that I got that I did drugs with, that I got high with, that I drank with, the different things. I walked upstairs, and there he is with his Bible on his lap, 5 o'clock in the morning, and his hands are up high, and he's praising the Lord. That got me. That image got me and made me stop and think about what, what does it really look like to have a relationship with Christ? What does it really look like for me to give him myself and to let go? Then I started church hunting. I went to a couple of churches. I had a pretty good knowledge of the word and understanding of it. You know, I had my own religion at one point. Believe me, you wouldn't have not. It was worse than Mormonism and anything else that's out there. But it was mine, and I was preaching it. And I ended up hearing the radio. CSN. That took me out there and had me sit under Mike for, for a long time in my life. Until before the Lord called me over here. And in this, during that time, I had to learn about sacrificing myself to the Lord to give up those things, to, to be willing to love on people, to go out and teach people about the Lord, to, to do Bible studies. Who am I to teach a Bible? I'm not worthy to do any of this stuff. To be completely honest with you, after the life I've done and the people I've hurt in probably my life, if I'm not as bad as Paul, I'm probably pretty close. And he still forgave me, loved me, and called me to serve. And I don't even know how. And then to submit, that's one thing I don't do very good. And I fight in a ring and different things. And, 
You try to break my arm, I'm going to fight to keep you from breaking my arm. I'm going to try to choke you. My job is to submit you, not let you submit me. And then I had to learn to submit. First to God. And then he said, I need you to submit to your pastor. Then I need you to submit to these other leaders. Then I need you to submit to your wife. And submit, 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 submit. It felt like I was doing nothing but submitting there for a year or two. And it was pretty challenging. And quite a few times I wanted to throw my hands in the air and be done with it. But when I learned to submit, when I offered my body as a living sacrifice, things started changing. Now I'm a long ways from anywhere God's got me going. But I'm not what I once was. And neither are you. Your walk today may be different than mine. But I beseech you, brethren, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices to God. He says in the next verse, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, it, what is that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We get some examples of the perfect will and the permissive will. Some of you are going to call them Balaam. I'm going to call them Balaam. Some are going to say potato. I'll say potato, whatever. That guy was a prophet of God, if you know the story. And then these people came over and offered him a bunch of money to come and prophesy the curse, basically, the Jews. And before he knew it, he ended up dead in the enemy's camp. He was no longer in the perfect will of God. God let him do the things, he, the choices. He gave him free agency to do things. David was anointed king and then had to constantly dodge spears all day. Saul was trying to take him out, hunting him from cave to cave like a dog, chasing him everywhere he went, trying to take him out. And he submitted and walked in the perfect will of God at that time. And then later David got in his own will like any one of us. But he's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Church, how do you renew your mind? That's exactly right, sister. Is to get in the word. When we're struggling, when we're hurting, when a day is called something on us, some of us got to fall on our face to pray. Some of us get on our knees to pray. Some of us got to this and close our eyes. Some of us, and just, some of you, I just want to encourage you, you don't have to do none of those things to pray. All you got to do is start talking to God. That's it. All you have to do in any moment, you could be having a conversation, it's getting heated, and you could start talking to God to help you season your words with love, to help you to calm down, or to help them to see what you're trying to... I mean, it could be any situation, any circumstance. But at all times, in any moment, you could pray. And so, when we're looking for the perfect will of God, there's two ways I know to find it. One, is in His Word. Two, is in prayer. I finish off tonight with this, this last couple of verses and, I, and we'll stop. It says, For I say though, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Church, if you don't know what your gift is, ask somebody around you. Start praying. Start asking. 
because it's time to start to use them. And then it is time for us to have a seriousness about our relationship with Christ. And if you want to know what love is, a lot of you are single out there or, or in, in, in that kind of situation or, or you're in a collective marriage. But you really want to know what love is, I challenge you to go serve. For four years I served in a senior home. The hardest ministry I've ever been involved when to see people come in so full of life and then schizophrenia and the, the Alzheimer's and a different thing hit them. Man, it was hard to see that. It was hard to see that. And I didn't understand God in that. And, 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 and I cried out to him often over, Lord, how could you do this to these people? But God is capable. He told me, who are you, Job? Are you trying to question me? Who do you think you are to asking me how I can keep my people? I challenged him over and over about the people in the Middle East that grew up or, or the Mormon family that I've come up in. My, mother, my father's family's LDS. And I challenged him like, how, how could you do that, Lord? How could you keep them from not seeing the truth? And he asked me, who are you to question my abilities? I could reveal myself at any time, to any person, anywhere. Were you there? And I've seen it. Now I'll leave you with this example, and we'll call it, pray and call it a night. My friend Casey came to me and asked me after we were doing the laying on the hands things. God was doing a big thing, and I'd, I'd been involved in laying hands on several people by myself and, and seeing God heal them of cancer and different things. As I was trusting in the Holy Spirit to do it. And I'm telling you, it's a faith thing. You step out and do. If God tells you to do it, do it. And God's going to get the glory one way or the other. And this man, he ended up with melanoma cancer. He's got five kids, a young wife. He's a young man. And he said, Don, I need you to pray over me. But at this time, I was starting to worry that I might get big-headed because we've had some, some miraculous things happen. So I grabbed a group of people and asked them if they'd be willing to come and lay hands on people with me and pray over people. And they were willing. So we went and laid hands on them. And God healed them. The melanoma went completely away. Went to the doctor. It was gone. They wanted to come back a year later, a year later for a checkup. He didn't go. Six months into it, it was all throughout his body. Attacking his organs is everything, and he and he was he was given us. There was no hope, man. And I heard God say, "Fast." Some of these things don't don't come out like when he said about the the boy with uh, what is it, Jackie with um, huh? Demons is best. I jumped in the fire and he threw in the water and all these things. And he said, "This one doesn't come out without much fasting and prayer." And so I was in the middle of praying with a, brother, a bunch of brothers, and I heard that God put that verse on my heart. And so I asked the brothers to join me in it. And, and we fasted, and we prayed, and we laid hands and anointed him with oil. And God took him anyway. And I wrestled with God with that. I was not happy about that. And I was at his funeral doing the music. My pastor was up in the front teaching the gospel. Because that's what Casey had asked for. He said, I don't want to hear dumb people about my life. I want them to hear who Christ is. And then my, my pastor at that time did an altar call. Eight people got up out of a couple hundred people and gave their lives to Christ. In that moment, the Spirit let me see that Casey's life was for God's glory right then and there. Now, I told you there was a young wife and five children. She lives right up the street from me now. She has a new man in her life, and she's happily married. They just had a new baby boy, and I get to pour into her children, his sons, 
and his daughter's lives every day. If our God isn't good, then none of that makes any sense. Amen? Amen. Why don't you rise up and let's pray.